Generosity Path podcast, a space for global conversations with people from different walks of life about the impact generosity has had on them. It's a place of inspiration, encouragement, and hopefully joy as we hear about the transforming power and potential of generosity to change the world. Hello to our global audience and welcome to this special mid-season edition of the Generosity Path podcast. My name is Sarah Shaw and I work in the Generosity Path UK team in London and I'll be your host today as we hear from a selection of different guests. Now on this podcast we often hear some truly remarkable stories of people who are in a position to offer significant financial support towards starting new ministries or taking charitable endeavours to new heights. And the philanthropy of those who have much and give much is an extraordinarily valuable currency in today's world. Their stories are both inspirational and aspirational. But we also want to celebrate those who are just starting out on their generosity journeys and those who can't single-handedly fund pioneering projects, but who are perhaps able to give in some other way. Because sacrificial giving of time, talents or treasure is integral to the building of the kingdom of God however big or small the individual act of generosity. So in this episode, we're going to profile a few people who you may not have heard of, but who have themselves either witnessed, participated in, or received transformative generosity. And our hope is that this will inspire you to think about the many ways you might be able to be part of the worldwide generosity movement yourself. And first up, we have Lucy Ray. Hi, Lucy. Hello. Lucy is on the staff at St Mary's Church in Southampton, England, where she's responsible for youth work and the apprenticeship scheme. Is that right? I am indeed apprentice chaplain down here. But alongside that, she's recently launched a new social enterprise called Great Aunt Mary's, which sounds intriguing. So tell us a bit about this new venture and what inspired you to start it up. Yep, so I run a social enterprise called Great Aunt Mary's, which is rehoming old clothes um, for local charities in Southampton. So we get donations from across the city and further afield, which is exciting. Um, And then um, we either we do one of two things, either we donate them to a local clothes bank for those that are in need, or secondly, um, we sell them online in our um, bespoke clothing line that we have as well. So we do online and we also do in-person events. We really want to see community build in Southampton around young adults and just valuing things, but also be sustainable for clothing as well. So we like to repurpose, rehome um, clothes whilst um, yeah, being able to build community. We don't just um, have one charity. We change our charity each six months so we can highlight different local charities um, and highlight and magnify some amazing things that are happening in our city and champion them. That's really cool. And sounds like a lot of work on the side of your other job. <laughs> it's nice and fun. I think, I think when you like enjoy something and you feel like there's a part of you in it, um, you really value it and you just want to champion it. So it doesn't feel that taxing at the, rem- at the moment, which is fun but um it's very exciting great so in what ways have you witnessed generosity in the process of establishing great aunt mary's how has generosity been a factor in this journey um in many different ways um firstly by phenomenal people donating things um by i think 
one of the things I've been amazed at is how many donations we've got and especially post lockdown and everyone's cleared out every closet they've ever existed. Just amazed at how many people um, firstly have given to us um, and secondly who have championed us. So any of our friends, our family, um, random connections of connections have just really been so encouraging and um yeah, I've I've loved getting to know so many people. There's one lady who uh, we've picked up a few things um, she's donated who randomly just started following us, following a hashtag, which is great. Um, wow. And she then has like posted about it, shared about us um, to the extent that one thing that we were selling, she was she bought it from us and I didn't realise why she bought it. But she was like, I had this dress four years ago and I shrunk it and I couldn't, I kept looking for this dress over and over again. Wow. Um, so that was exciting. And then, when we did our launch, we actually did um, an in-person pop-up here um, run by an amazing um, amazing brand, the Tiny Flea. Um, and so we did a pop-up with them and we raised like loads of money, which is incredible. Um, so we're currently supporting the marketplace, which is um, a social supermarket and um, provides employment and debt advice as well alongside the social supermarket. So we raised like 500 quid for them. First off, winner. Um, but also at the day, um, everyone else there was uh, secular organisations or personal pop-ups. Um, and we just got talking to other sellers throughout the day. And at the end of the day, four of the sellers came over with like massive thin bags of stuff. And they were like, we want to donate our stuff to you. Um, wow. And it was amazing. Just all these people who we'd never met at the beginning of that day and we weren't expecting anything from them, they all ended up donating to us, which was incredible and have just really been champions of us. Mm -hmm. um, I only moved here three years ago. So for me, it's still like learning to get my roots down. And it's been so encouraging meeting people my age who just really want to give to so many different causes who don't understand who Jesus is, don't understand the purpose necessarily of what we're doing, still mm -hmm. wanting to give. And I think that's like, that's integrated in each of us. There's something that we do long to give and and we get something from that when we give to people. We're like, oh my gosh, this felt really nice. Um, <laughs> and as Christians, we understand what that is. We understand who Jesus is. But for those who that isn't their go-to or they're trying to build their own business, um, to be giving away feels quite strange to them, but actually they loved it. And we're like mm. so excited. We're like, we're so behind you guys. Um, yeah, the win-win of generosity. Big yeah. time. So you obviously work at a church as your sort of main day job and your faith has clearly been part of the motivation behind putting all your time and energy on top of that into Great Aunt Mary's. What would you say is the most important thing about the biblical message of generosity? Why does it matter? Mm, I think giving is an antidote. And so I think we're really used to everything being consuming. Um, whether it's our phones or um, our relationships, we're really used to like consuming <laughs> those things. And I think um, for me, I find giving an antidote to some of the unhealthy sides of, of consumption. Um, and I don't mean, I genuinely don't mean that in like a, a meta way. I mean that in a like, actually, I think it's a fundamental of who we are is to give. And there's a reason why we feel something different. We know something different when we give. And um, and so seeing who Jesus is, seeing what Jesus did for us, it's only a natural response when we've been in his presence to want to 
encourage other people to give to other people and to um yeah to know other people so um how how I've seen it play out especially like we have um our like church groups called tables and I think we've noticed it um in the last year um what there was a couple who um who got covid and as a leadership team it's we, we like responded to them to be like how can we help what can we do and actually already all of their like table group had organized a meal plan had sorted and actually just seeing community that's what giving is it's like seeing community built around where actually our jobs we're, we're taken out of the equation <laughs> we don't have to be those yeah. rallying around actually the yeah. community built around them are giving to one another and I think um that is the beauty of community within church and the blessing that we have and the beauty that we have and the gift that we have is to give to others. And so I think it is an antidote to our mindsets where we consume everything and everything teaches us to consume to then actually have this peace and this presence where we can give and we know the gift that we get to give. So yeah, that's why I reckon. That's a brilliant message. Lovely way to end. Can I ask you if people want to find out more about Great Aunt Mary's or get involved, how would they do that? Yeah, you can find us at Great Aunt Mary's Full Stop Store on Instagram. Um, drop us a DM if you want to know more. And we've got a website coming soon, which is very exciting. Um, but yeah, whether it's locally based in Southampton or further afield, we would love to connect and get to know you, anyone and everyone um, as we continue and as we start up um, something that hopefully will be very exciting. That's awesome. Thank you so much. It's been really, really brilliant to hear from you and all the best with the rest of Great Aunt Mary's as it inevitably grows. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Okay, next on the podcast, um, I want to introduce a friend of mine, Lydia McAllister, who is a musician and a songwriter, and I'm sure lots of other things as well that she'll tell us now. So do you want to share a little bit with us about who you are and what you do? Hello, thanks for having me. I'm Lydia. Um, I feel like you've pretty much covered it. I'm, yeah, a musician, recently moved to London. Um, my time is mainly taken up songwriting and hanging out and drinking coffee. <laughs> All the important things. Okay, so where did you move from? Uh, Brighton. So I've just spent the last 10 years in Brighton and then I'm a newbie to London. Exciting. Can you tell us a little bit about that adventure? Because I think that's really where the core of the story is here. Yes, it? that is where the core of the story. So I moved um, in last October and um, a friend of mine really kindly offered to drive half of my stuff up from Brighton um, like a couple of days before I was planning to move, just so I didn't have as much to bring up. So she she took the majority of my clothing, so... When I came up, all I brought was kind of a suitcase, enough for maybe like a week. Um, and all my bits and bobs, like laptop, phone charger, all those things that you can save till later. So basically, she had all my clothes, my entire wardrobe, in her car. <laughs> and so she's called Emma. She's usually the most efficient person ever. But for some reason, on this day that she drove up, just something must have distracted her and she didn't lock her car. <laughs> so two days later... I arrived in London. This is like the day I was moving to London. Hit the ground running. So excited to just like settle in and unpack my clothes. And we went, um, well, I didn't, I was actually unpacking some other stuff in the house and 
Emma and my other friend Holly, who had helped me move, went to get my suitcases out of the car that Emma had left for two days in her car. And as you can probably imagine where I'm going, they opened the boot of the car and there was nothing in there. (laughs) How did that happen? Well, someone must have just been trying their luck with cars and struck lucky with someone who had left their car unlocked with two massive suitcases of stuff. What a day to forget to lock your car. I know, I know. And I felt I felt bad because she felt so bad. She felt I so I can guilty. imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty traumatic way to, to come to London. Yeah, exactly. Essentially um, with nothing to wear. Not even just in the sense of being a diva, but actually nothing to wear. Yeah, literally. Took all the clothes off my back. All I had was what I was wearing that day. So what did you actually do then? Well, I... I had enough for like maybe a week in this suitcase that I had. Um, And then me and Emma were just kind of bantering about it and posted some Instagram stories about what had happened um, and were just being silly. And then people were just unbelievably generous. So off the back of my Instagram stories, I had um, someone ask for my bank details and sent me some money Someone via Emma asked if they could send her money so that it was anonymous. Oh, not just to send it to her to make her feel better for what oh, yeah, she yeah, does, yeah, but yeah, to, send sorry, to, to send it to her to send to me. Um, which I always think is incredible when people do it anonymously. I'm like, wow, that really is just completely selfless generosity. Um, and then what else? I had a friend called Tish. We're the same size, same shoe size. So she just put together like a little package of stuff for me. So it gave me like my my fav- my now favourite shoes, like the coolest shoes. These like amazing Nikes. Um, so it gave me those shoes and some other clothes. Another friend sent me a voucher. It was just insane. People just like, I was like, I'm going to lose my suitcases more often. I feel like I came out better than I left. I had like a way better wardrobe. <laughs> How did you feel off the back of that? Did that sort of change your perspective on generosity? Had you thought much about generosity before? I think I think I like I live amongst a very generous community. Like I like so many of my friends are generous and I've got generous family and but I think this was interesting because it was there was one or two people that didn't really know me that well. So the friend that sent the money via Emma to keep it anonymous is like a friend of a friend who I don't know that well. So I think for me that was really powerful because I was like, wow, I, I don't think that's where I'm as practised in generosity. Like I find, like I love to help out my friends and family, but it wouldn't it wouldn't come as naturally to be like, oh, this person's friend has been through something I... I could be um, helpful in this. I always think it's someone else's responsibility if I'm not, like, directly linked to them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. So I found that that really, really helpful. Well, thanks very much for sharing. No problem. Thanks for having me. Since you are a musician, would you like to plug any of your music if people wanted to find you on Spotify? Are you going to say, do you want to play us a song? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I am unprepared. Get the guitar. So I'm Lydia Evangeline on Spotify and everywhere, really. Well worth a listen, in my humble opinion. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Not a problem. Bye. Joining us now on the phone from Hong Kong is Will Buttrick. 
Will is originally from the UK, but moved to Hong Kong in 2020 to work with Jackie Pullinger's ministry at St. Stephen's to groups of vulnerable and traumatised drug addicts, alcoholics, men, women and young people from extremely difficult backgrounds, often carrying huge burdens and some connected to gangs. Will lives in a community complex with some of the guys known as the brothers, um, supporting them in their rehabilitation. So thanks, Will, for joining us. Tell us, what inspired you to leave a comfortable job in London as an architectural designer to get involved with the ministry at St. Stephen's? I don't know if it's so much more inspired, but rather um, a step of faith, um, which I think coming to work here is it has to be a step of faith. Um, I think it's hard to almost be inspired because of the... Uh, um, the challenges that you face, uh, it's not an easy job. So it's got to be a calling. It's got to be something that you feel God has uh, has uh, opened up a door to, which I did feel that when I felt like I was being, God was really clearly speaking to me about coming to Hong Kong. Um, I knew I needed to go some, work somewhere for a period to learn about how to serve the poor well, how to serve people well, and uh, through through friends uh, who encouraged me to come work with Jackie Pullinger and uh, St. Stephen's, uh, this is the door that opened up to me. And it did. It, it, there were some interesting stories actually of how that how that happened, and I really felt like God opened up that that this door in itself. And so uh, the inspiration was was uh, was what I was going to learn here and how I was going to grow here, and and. Um, and how it was God inspired that he wanted me to be here and the faith I had to just kind of step out in obedience and see if this was it and it was it and uh, it's proving to be uh, inspiring in it in its in through working here not that I thought it, it was an inspiring choice. <laughs> yeah that feels like a helpful lesson for us all to really listen to God as we consider the acts of generosity and service that he might be looking to partner with us in, um, knowing that even though we can see so much need around us, we can ask God and trust him to show us where he wants us. So tell us then, where have you seen generosity yourself since moving out there? Yes, generosity is something I've seen a huge amount of over the last year. I got some 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 generosity, uh, some funding uh, from some of my parents' friends who wanted to support me um, when I when I moved out here when they hear, when they heard what I was doing and have been very much praying for me and uh, as well as monthly giving me a little bit of money each month. I I think the whole uh, framework of how Saint Stephen's works is through prayer and generosity of how they work. And that's very much encouraged in how you expect to survive, basically. I think there's a strong... Uh, I was I was encouraged not to ask anyone for money, so I never asked anyone for money when I came here. Uh, I just prayed and some, some came in. Also, I mean, I got a bit of work as well, which has been mostly what supported me out here. But that's the same for anything that goes here is... Is is there's there's a lot of prayer that goes into to it, and then uh, not from asking, but rather from from discovering God moving other people's heart to give. And I think I've w- 
witness that's how people literally live it's not like it's oh have you heard the story of this person giving it that oh this is how i this is how we live in this community is by praying for financial support or support of a space or something like that uh, or support of um oh this is a, we need a lawyer right now uh, the next day a lawyer just turns up at the door um, <laughs> or we have some sort of contact that reaches out and says uh, I feel like God's calling me to support you guys how can I support you guys oh what do you do I'm a lawyer <laughs> it's beautiful to see God's generosity in that knowing we can have faith for his provision is such an incredible relief right it's those kind of crazy situations which has is, is kind of built the foundations of what uh, St. Stephen's is and I think that's what Jackie's heart has always been is that um, she's always been someone that's prayed and seen the miraculous and seen the generosity of, of, of God and, and the generosity of people that have, have, have got to her where she needs to be and, and what she's needed to support uh, her work um, and yeah I see, see generosity all the time and I think it's been amazing that um, I mean I received last Christmas quite a lot of money as, as, a, as a gift from St Stephen's from Jackie from Jackie uh, as a kind donation towards towards me and that was incredible generosity when I just landed I could have easily just left the job a few months later but they were straight away showing acts of generosity people were welcoming me into their home over dinner uh people were providing me with uh, lots of things that i needed um uh in the day-to-day -day, but just uh generosity with people's time i think in a place like hong kong i think it's you know it's such a fast place, fast paced city. It's such a space limited city. Um, it's really intense that 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 people giving their you know, their time uh, and some of their space away to you is 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 huge. It's huge in in the act of generosity. Uh, and so something I'm really experiencing is that generosity. As you know, uh, but but I think it needs to be a clear message. It isn't just financial, but it is it, it done in a variety of ways. And physically, I've seen a lot more of that. Um, and so I've been really encouraged and challenged, and actually just mostly challenged by my own heart around generosity. Um, and certainly when I've been with the brothers, been quite amazed by how much they give away now. I can see a lot of that comes down to the fact that actually a lot of them have had nothing. And from a place of having nothing, you're far more likely to share your dinner with somebody. You're far more likely to share the space that you live in. Do you have any specific personal stories you can share with us? Uh, last Christmas, I was freezing. Didn't bring, didn't think Hong Kong could get cold. Someone saw me shivering one day in a meeting, and the next day a jacket turned up. Uh, I'm not even joking you, and a really nice one as well, quite an expensive one. And so, um, there's always the giving space for these guys. Always the giving space. Um, 
and that comes from everyone um not just the congregation members who often are actually really wealthy from the hong kong island side yeah, i think that's where a huge amounts of the funding come from it's the it's the, the very wealthy it's the very very a lot of the very wealthy people in hong kong that that come to the congregation and give their thousands so that this quite large project which is saint stephen's uh, which costs a huge amount of money is funded by uh, many people um but uh, also the generosity of the day-to-day -day people that I live with, the guys that I live with. And uh, I think my heart's always been challenged by them. This sounds like a huge question, but give us your perspective on biblical generosity in, you know, as brief a way as you can. What does biblical generosity mean to you? I think when we think about our families, um, We'd, we'd very quickly support our parents or our brothers and sisters or our nieces or our, I don't know, distant uncle and aunts, I don't know. And and I think Jackie's always saying, seeing everyone as family. And so she's very uh, free with giving because she sees us all as, as, as in the kingdom of God, all as family, all as community. And that's, I suppose... The, the, the biblical message is, is that we are in Jesus' family. We are the body of Christ. Uh, we're the family of God, and we are there to support each other and give, give freely and generously with open hearts to each other in any way we can, from money, from time, to space, to the material. And yeah, and through that, I think... God also uh, changes hearts and minds uh, to be more like his. And uh, God reforms us and frees us from, from, our, from our stuff, from our brokenness. That, from, from what I've seen, is the biblical message of our family, of giving to the family freely because everything is his and nothing is ours by rights. And that he is, is such a generous father that, uh, that, that we will always have back of what we need. Um, but we will find greater joy in, in, in seeing lives transformed when we give. Well, if that's not a gospel message, I don't know what is. We'd love to listen to you teach us all day. But we'll let you go now and we'll be praying for you and the brothers you're serving. Thanks so much, Will. Bye, and thank you for hearing my, my story and my journey. Bless you. Our final guest today is the wonderful Sarah Sawyer McCarthy, an actor, screenwriter and director originally from Arizona in the US, who's now in London via New York and LA. So, hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining us. Sounds like a busy time. <laughs> hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so you're fresh off a shoot today for a short film that you're co-creating. So as if Sarah's life didn't sound hectic enough already, she's also been teaching drama at summer schools across London. Um, having only moved to the UK in 2020, she's been putting down roots here and figuring out what work looks like in a pandemic and in a new country. <laughs> 
And one of the projects that she decided to trial was a social enterprise called the Havoc Project. So do you want to tell us a bit about that, where the idea came from and what the motivation was behind it? Absolutely. The Havoc Project started in 2017 in New York City. Um, I was inspired by young people in New York and I wanted to take what was happening in New York um, on a global level. So I, I created drama workshops for young women. And um, since 2017, that sort of morphed into a bigger project of just drama workshops um, across the world, where we really inspire young people to find their voices through drama. Very exciting. So then that became something slightly different in 2020? So one of the um, things that we were working with in 2017 is we were trying to figure out how to finance the Havoc Project. And in 2020, online clothing sales became a big thing that everyone was into. So we created um, a Depop account, a Poshmark account, um, which is the account in the U.S. And um, we just started selling clothes online to uh, be able to finance future programs. That's cool. And what are the main impacts that you think you've seen from the project? How has how has that funding then been used? Yes. So the funding is still, some of the funding is still in a pot, which is exciting because it means that we get to do uh, more programs coming up here in London. The other bit of the funding has allowed us to hire uh, educators to go in and facilitate um, these workshops. As a performing artist, um, I guess the pandemic in particular would have hit your career quite hard. Um, and obviously yourself and lots of your colleagues have had to diversify in order to make a living while theatres and film sets have been shut down. Um, and rather than going into something else that would make you a lot of money, you've obviously you've, you know set up the charitable project and you've also chosen to put your energies into workshops and helping other people and teaching other kids. What, what made you make that decision? I think for me, COVID was a time where... I had peace to reassess what my priorities were. And while I was reassessing, I realized that working with young people is a core part of what makes me happy and what inspires me day to day. And so I just decided to follow that and to see where that would take me um, once once the pandemic is over. And <clears throat> I'm feeling positive and hopeful about it. Yeah. And it's a really generous thing for you to do, to invest your time and energies in people in that way. In, in what ways do you, would you think that you actually experience generosity or have been on the receiving end of generosity yourself during the pandemic or even prior? I mean, generosity is one of those things. It's the gift that keeps giving. Um, and I, one of the things that I love about Havoc is that we see generosity in unique ways. So Havoc requires a lot of free time. Um, and in return for that, um, I've just seen such wonderful, such wonderful people um, come out of the woodwork. For example, um, when we were selling clothes online, so many people donated clothes, people that I had never met before, um, mm -hmm. offered, you know, suitcases full of clothing. And that's just a wonderful thing to see um, people be willing, willing to do that. School. And have you had any experiences in your personal life as well as with work? Oh, absolutely. Um, this past year during COVID, it, it, the generosity has 
blown me away and humbled me. Um, I think about um, my old roommate in Los Angeles when I had to leave um, our house in Los Angeles. One day, she just Venmoed me $500 cash. Um, wow. And Venmo's like the Monzo of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, but she just sent me some cash. And I was just blown away by how generous that was because I know I know $500 is a lot for her, but $500 for me at that time um, was a game changer. I mean, that was mm-hmm. paying for groceries for a month. Um, yeah. And that level of kindness allows me to get up every day and say, how can I be generous towards others? That's great. Thank you for sharing that. So coming out of this crazy COVID pandemic experience, as we hope we are, what have you learned about generosity that you're going to take forward? I've learned that generosity can change someone's life because it's changed my life in the last year, the way that people have helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel more generous than I've ever felt in my entire life because I just, I want to be someone who's giving of my time and my money and my energy because it's just a fuller life to see what mm-hmm. comes back. Um, and and that's just, that's, it's the way to live. I don't want to be holding on to things and, and keeping things to myself anymore. I want to be giving it out and seeing what God does with that. That's really cool. I love that. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time today and all the best with ongoing work with The Havoc Project, with the film that you're shooting now and with all your work with the with the kids. That definitely does require quite a lot of generous expenditure of energy. So well done for that. It's been really nice to chat with you. Well, thanks for having me, Sarah. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Generosity Path podcast. Pay it forward by rating, sharing, and subscribing. To find out more about connecting your own passions and purpose with your giving, visit generositypath.org or engage in the conversation by following us on social media. Let's make the world a better place.